Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. When I was five, hired out to watch a baby And he beat me when he cried I consider that too much of a price Even though I'm thick-skinned, some of the scars Stay with me for life I ain't never been the type to spin around to the other chief Putting up a fight to me and my people's all are free Four brothers, four sisters, thick family I'm the fourth child, you following mathematically Guards in my veins, I can feel it in my soul Three older sisters never seen again when they were sold When they came for my brother, my mom's made them a promise Whoever tried to take me, she split and open your noggin Mommy was a rider Spiritual advisor Security provider That's why I'm alive wire When they ain't take my brother I felt the power inside of me Influenced by the moment I'll never settle for slavery Heavy metal weight In my head as a teen Now with seizures Narcolepsy and strange dreams From the tribe of Asante Through grandma Modesty Being free Holding my own Just a part of me You thinking about coming after me Better bring your faculty 20 miles away Before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train And it's Something like traffic. I'm happy as a conductor. I ain't never lost a passenger. I'm plotting on my escaping. I'm married and feeling patient. I'm with no debating. You silly for conversating. I'm breaking and while you waiting and I'll make it. I'll be sure to get the safest route to travel and be back for you as base. September 17th, 1849. Me and my brothers Henry and Ben said it's mine. So we left for Maryland. Headed towards Freedom Land. But they feet chillied up. So we turned around and went back to the owners. Believe me, I didn't wanna. Had I knew my brothers were scared. We're in the bottom A little while later, man I ran away again But this time straight Dolo fan backs to the wind In the middle of the night In the winter and the cold I was navigating on the Underground Railroad Nah, it ain't a literal train It's a form of resistance Just with the railroad theme So a station's a safe house Where the runaways go And the runaway slaves Are considered cargo The person who hit them Considered a station master And the stockholders The one who will put the cash up Me, I'm the conductor I transported the cargo routes that I took remain secret I took an old boss of my train you get on There is no rebelling grown man said he turning back and I had to tell him Fam, why you had me bring the metal out? Cock it back, point it at your head and bring the devil out There's no going back, besides you gonna snitch And I'll kill you where you stand before you sing behind the whip Running from slave catchers, a bounty on my head Until my whole fam free, I don't really care Had a 10 year span with 19 or so trips I done free so many slaves they calling me Moses during the Civil War Because of my skills, I became the first woman to lead an armed assault I am Harriet Tubman, you need to fall back a conductor I never ran my train off the track You thinking about coming after me, better bring your faculty 20 miles away before you even know what's happening Cargo on my train and it's something like traffic I'm Harriet the conductor, I ain't never lost a passenger
Good afternoon, everyone. That was Harriet the Conductor talking about the one and only Harriet Tuckman. I am Rodney Smith here hosting the air chair today with another episode of Our Own Voices Live. And today our topic on Our Own Voices Live is going to be celebrating women. That's right. This is the last Saturday in March, which means it is the last opportunity for us here at Our Own Voices Live to take the opportunity to recognize those women who were important in our lives. And hopefully you will give us a call at area code 347-826-9600, and maybe share a minute or two about the woman or women in your life someone that has impacted you, someone that has inspired you, maybe a family member or maybe a family friend, maybe someone totally in no relations to you other than impacting your life. There were many women who impacted my life, and I will share some of them with you as we go on a little bit more about Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show that comes to you on Saturday usually between 12.30 and 2 p.m. on the West Coast. And, of course, that would be 3.30 to 5 p.m. for those back east. And big shout-out to our East Coast listeners. We've been off the air, a lot of things going on in our lives, my life as well as my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas's life. Uh, one of those things being I have announced that I am running for public elected office. That's right. Yours truly, Rodney Smith, is running for Congress representing the great state of Nevada, Congressional District 4. And let me tell you, it has changed my life, maybe even changed me. And after doing it, I said there's only two reasons for someone to run for office. That's that you're just totally committed to a cause, or maybe there's something wrong with you. Wow, what an experience. And on a future show, I'll dive a little bit more into that. But uh, today, we're celebrating women. And Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the cultural and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. And some of the ways we do that is with shows like Our Own Voices Live, Thomas Ferry up in the Great White North with Rant Radio, Brother Levon back east doing his thing with Real Radio, and, of course, this lands for Thomas with Needle on the record, and Brother Franklin G on Terrestrial Radio on Power 88 KCEP. Here in the LV, doing his thing on Friday mornings at 10, like it is radio, all a part of the Speak Up team. And that's what we're trying to do is lend you a, give you a voice, help amplify the voice that you already have, and then spread that to those who need to hear what you have to say. There's been so many things that happened nationally, so many things that happened uh, in politics and right here in our city in Las Vegas. But, you know, there was something I did want to hit on real quick before we get into our women. And there was a terrorist attack in Belgium. That's right. 
a terrorist attack in Belgium. I realize that many of you may not know where Belgium is, but there was a terrorist attack there. But did you know that Belgium wasn't the only place that suffered a terrorist attack this week? That's right. I know that is the place that has been on the news all week, but that is not the only place that suffered an attack. Now, I wouldn't really expect you all to know because there has been very little mention of it in the news media. Imagine that. And people lost their lives in this attack. But again, there has been very little mention of it in the news media. And why is this important to me? Well, it's important to me because it happened, first of all, it was some of the people who lost their lives. Lives were taken. Lives were stolen. And then when we put it in the context of why don't we know, why isn't it being reported on? Now, then that takes us down a slightly different road, slightly different path. I mean, there's some places where we should go, but we should go treading lightly because, once again, this is the difference. Remember when France, Charlie Hebdo, was attacked? Remember that? And then subsequent attacks? And at the same time, people turned their flag into, you know, their, their, their profile pictures on Facebook into French flags. And there was a way, mm-hmm. that a little app that you would do, and it would basically just take your profile picture and it would superimpose the French flag over it. It was sort of somewhat translucent with a touch of uh, color in it. Well, on the Ivory Coast, 22 dead, 22 people killed in a terrorist attack, attack on an Ivory Coast resort. Literally, people, I believe it was four people dressed in black and in hood, uh, walked down the beach and just started shooting people. Now, they did discriminate a little bit on who was Muslim and who was Christian. And if you were Christian or if you weren't Muslim, you got shot. It didn't make any difference what age you were nor what gender you were. And that happened at the same time that we had the attack in Belgium. But we've heard, as a matter of fact, we even talked, about, or at least it was something to talk about at the gathering yesterday, because I wanted to know how many people had heard about it. Have, did you even know about it? Well, before we go much further, let me bring in the sister, the co-hostess with the mostest, and as we celebrate women, one of the women that I celebrate in my life, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hey, Rodney. Thanks for the warm welcome. Glad to be here. Yes, I was. I just did the introduction, and the introduction, I was talking about some of the news that's happened in this week's cycle, and we have the terrorist attack in Belgium. But I was asking the question, did many folks know that there was a terrorist attack on the Ivory Coast. Right on the uh, Ivory Coast, absolutely. During the same period. And I know you heard of it, but have you seen anything on the news? A- am I just been so out of it trying to get this campaign started that I missed it all? You know, not on American news. I, I happened to watch Al Jazeera and the BBC, and there was a lot of coverage of it on those outlets. But, um, no, not not on 
our traditional 24-hour uh, news program, CNN, MSNBC. I ain't naming no names, but I am Fox. You know, <laughs> nothing. nothing. Well, now I know that there's – I've watched some of the stuff on Facebook, and on Facebook people were upset about – some people were upset about it who had known about it and had said, that, you know, this is what happens and things need to be better. And they're right. But I also thought – See, we're depending on someone else to tell us stuff. And then when they don't tell us stuff, we get a little upset with it, but not too upset. Because if we are really upset, we'll do something about it. We change it, and, yeah. yeah. And and the something about it is supporting the news media that we already have. That brings you the news, absolutely. You know, um, you're, you're so right, and, you know, sure, the terrorist attack, uh, the Ivory, on, that happened on the Ivory Coast was not covered, but you know this week there was another lighter story uh, of loss. This week, uh, one of hip hop's legendary uh, figures died this week, and had a long battle with type one diabetes. Well, not long because he was forty five years old. That's not long, but you know, of course, type one. He was born with it, and you know that was all his life that he was dealing with. Uh, managing type 1 diabetes, and not one, well, one outlet, BET did run a ticker that um, Malik Fife Dog Taylor had passed away. And, you know, it, 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 that was another news story that made me say, wow, we really need uh, some better news coverage. At this point, I'm relying on Twitter. I see more news happening on Twitter that never makes the airways. Uh, and then it's funny, you know, we had that huge terrorist attack on the Ivory Coast. No coverage of it, of it. But I was on Twitter, and I, you know, I saw the trending hashtag of the um, gentleman that was up in the sequoia tree. Uh, in downtown Seattle. I saw that trending for hours, and then I saw it on our local uh, news broadcast. It was it was covered by a lot of media outlets across the country. It was covered on, you know, our 24-hour news cycle outlets. And, you know, it, it just, it's, it's just interesting what makes the news cycle and what doesn't. It's interesting to compare it to what you see trending on social media outlets such as Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram uh, and what you see, you know, on terrestrial news. And I realize these these um, news outlets, you know, traditional news outlet, your evening news, they have, you know, 22 minutes to, you know, give you the – the view of what's going on uh, across the country in your city and, you know, a lot of times in your neighborhood. Uh, You know, I I live here in Las Vegas with you, Rodney, and um, many others, and there are plenty of things going on in this city that never make our local news cycle. And, you know, just as a journalism person, I think it's going to require, you know, more demands from the community. 
nothing wrong with a letter to the editors and and the and the uh, executive producers to make them aware that you need to be more expansive in your coverage of things. Well, I, I guess one of the where I fall in this is in two places. One is I can see why people would do what you said. But then the other side of me says, why bother with that? Again, trying to get people to do something for us that obviously they don't want to do. When we can do this for ourselves and produce our own and support our own. In other words, why spend the time and energy trying to get someone to to do a thing? When we can do that thing for ourselves and also enrich ourselves with knowledge as well as financially at the same time. I see both sides. For those who are not going to, you know, be the trailblazer and get out here and create an outlet and cover the news and, you know, give business an opportunity to uh, advertise and, you know, utilize um, this space and, and support the space with advertising dollars, hey, use your voice and exercise, you know, and, and remind the, the executive producers of news uh, programming as well as uh, editors at newspapers that, you know, you could be more diverse in your storytelling. You know, I, I, I see that, but I, I feel, and, and folks, Please, you all chime in if you can. Three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred and press option one to call. Is should is, is this an either or or a combination of the two? In other words, should we continue to try to get people to do stuff for us that they obviously don't want to do, or should we take that energy and because we don't necessarily have to create more right now because we have it. And if we supported what we have, it could become larger. And then we wouldn't have to go begging someone else to do for us when we can do for ourselves. And this is maybe an age-old discussion of, you know, and so some people say, well, Roger, maybe it's a combination of the two. Well, what are you all I was just going to say, I think it's both, but, you know. Uh, we also hear that one of the reasons why black people are in the economic situation that, that they're in is because they don't own any, they own little compared to others. So they're dependent on others and they become a consumer class. And as a consumer class, they consume what others give them. Also, that it impacts our wealth. In other words, instead of us creating things and building things, we have to depend on others who do it. And therefore, we're subjected to subjected to others. And I'm just wondering, has, is it really time or past time for us to be trying to get some... You know what it's like to me? <laughs> this is just a, something that pops in my mind. It's like trying to get a girl to like me that doesn't like me. And I go and I 
make a commotion, make a lot of noise, write her a bunch of love letters to get her to like me, but she still doesn't like me. And then she gets tired of so many letters because she get, just gets a box full of letters, right? That then she tells me, okay, I like you. And then she does maybe give me a peck on the cheek and goes right back to doing what she's been doing. Or, while I'm focusing on that one girl that obviously doesn't like me, there's another girl. Matter of fact, maybe there's two, three, four, or five of them that could definitely, that want to give me their attention. But I'm not focusing on them because I'm too busy focusing on this one that doesn't like me. Now, that just has to pop up in my mind, maybe because I don't know why. But it just seems yeah, well, like you male. Just awesome. You know, you are male, and you know, that's how y'all work. Yeah, well, definitely. So <laughs> it just seems that, and But this story, because what happens is we've had a bunch of these stories uh, about things not being covered, whether it's in our community, our city, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, the continent, and we do pretty much the same thing, and nothing doesn't change. And then I, I thought about it, I said, well, if these people are still buying from me and I'm still making the money that I want to make off of them, then why do I have to do anything for them? And then I looked at it this way. Well, where else, are they, where else will they go? They don't have their own. So I control every, all, everything else. So where are, they, where are they going? They're not going to go anyplace. Well, what leverage do they have over me? Nothing. So do I have to do what they say? No. No. So, so again, we're, we're, anyway, that's, that's not our main topic today, but it is something that just keeps popping up into my head. Uh, and what else has happened this week that we need to share with the folks before we get into our main topic? Hmm. Well... Honestly, Rodney, I have been so busy. I have not paid attention to the news cycle this week. Uh, I've seen some things, but I have not paid much attention to the news cycle. I'm sure there's plenty of things going on. There there always is, but I've been focused on some other things, so you don't want the news from me this week. (laughs) Right on. Well, one of the things that uh, we did, there was just an anniversary uh, this week. Now, it's, this is not necessarily an anniversary that I'm proud of, nor should this country be proud of it. But it was an anniversary nevertheless, and it is a part of America's history. And I posted it, and I'm also going to post a book review about it, hopefully a little bit later today that I think would be of interest to a lot of you. And uh, this this week here was, I mean, you all have uh, heard of human zoos. And this is normally associated with, uh, well, a zoo-like environment where black people were the main attraction or an attraction. And, yes, uh this week, March 20th, in 1916, so it was 100 years ago 
March 20th was the 100th year anniversary of Ada Binga. And that's when he ended his life after being caged. And the exhibit was called Pygmy at the Bronx Zoo. And wow. I, I bring I brought this I wanted to when I posted it I wanted people to know about it because people keep talking about why do we keep going back to slavery? And I keep saying, Well, first of all, slavery was a horrible thing, but atrocities in this country just weren't with slavery and a lot of some of the things that were still that were done back then are still being done now. And it is important to look at our history because it gives us, you know, an idea of where we are today. And Otto Binga had been brought to this country and put on display in the Bronx Zoo. Now, he was a part of the Pygmy uh, group of people in his home country. And one of the traditions that they did was they actually uh, filed their teeth to a point. That was actually what they did themselves in their country. That was part of their culture. So naturally it gave him an appearance a little more uh, animal-like. And because he was a, a pygmy, you know, he wasn't, I think he stood about 4'11", wasn't the largest person in the world, uh, the tallest, even back then. And But he was brought to this country by, a, uh, I believe it was by a missionary uh, named Samuel P. Verner. Uh, I think the P was for Phillips. And he was put on display. And eventually wound up hanging out with the monkeys, the chimpanzees, in the zoo. Wow. And for now, what this reminded me of is of Sarah uh, G. Bartman, who was a female uh, African who was, I believe, Kidnapped, but for sure brought to this country under false pretenses, not to this country, to, to France and to Europe, and was put on display because of her uh, voluptuousness, I'll put it that way, and things that people spend a lot of money for to get today that's associated with black women. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. her body parts were kept on display until not that many years ago. They actually made cast molds of her female body parts and kept them for years. And and this is how our people are viewed. Now, some people say, well, that happened way back then. Wait a minute now. Charity G. Hartman's body parts were kept on display in France up until recent times. That wasn't 100 years ago. Heck, it wasn't even 50 years ago. So I did want to uh, share a little bit of that, and so if you look for, go to our own voices and our own voices live on Facebook, and uh, I'm going to put a, 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 a sort of like a book re- review uh, about the life of this Bronx Zoo exhibit, otherwise known by Ada Binga, who was put on display at the Bronx. As a matter of fact, not only was he put on display at the Bronx Zoo. But it was entitled The Missing Link. The Missing Link. 
and there's lots of pictures of him. Uh, he went back to his home country. He wound up coming back uh, to America and tried to live, uh, you know, somewhat of a normal life. Because, you know, once you're removed from that lifestyle, and you know, went back. So a, a little bit of, a, you know, we try to give a little bit of history here on our own voices live. We try to put a little, uh, some things in some type of cultural and historic perspective because you won't get it in school. And there you have it for today. So, Angela. Yep. I, I titled the show today, uh, Celebrating Women that, that Have Inspired Us. And I did that because, first of all, without them, there would be no us. And women do a lot. And, you know, with the campaign season and talking about women, this and that. I didn't necessarily want to talk about the politics of it. But I just wanted to, for us to maybe even have a, you know, I guess the show with Otto Binga and Sarah G. Barkman, it wasn't quite that light. But I did think it was important because some of us are still on display today. As a matter of fact, look at a bunch of our profile pictures on Facebook. Look at a bunch of our albums that come out representing our music. But women, I love them, sometimes maybe too much, but I do love them. I have a lot of respect for them. may not in my walk always exhibit that, but I do. So I wanted us to have a moment today where we could talk about women, the women in our lives, women who've inspired us, who who motivated us. It could be a family member. It could be uh, maybe an extended relative. Maybe it was just that lady in the community that I don't know if you had what Angela, but we always had a lady who I don't know what she did other than look out the window. But that's what she did. Looked out the window and <laughs> talked on the phone. But that, so that's what she did. And, you know, did you have any women growing up or even in adulthood that have touched you, impacted you, and preferably impacted you positively? And if you would like to share any of those with me. Tons of women. I mean, we should all bow down and worship at the altar of the of the uterus, of the woman. I mean, for real, we all come to this world through that vessel. Uh, So I have women who are, you know, very well-known figures who were, who I was fortunate to have, you know, in my personal circle. My mother was uh, friends with Marva Collins and, you know, a lot of people know Marva Collins for the school that she founded and her uh, ground ba- groundbreaking um, methods of, of teaching African-American te- uh, children. Um, my own mother, who, you know, this month I made a personal commitment to doing something specifically for her every day this month. Um, but... You know, when I think about her work outside of mothering me and my siblings, my mother was a a chef and a a very successful chef. Uh, She had a a teaching career prior. Her second career was um, she became a chef, went to culinary school, the whole nine. And when I think about the successes that she had in in that um, vocation, in that 
tradition. Um, she was Luther Vandross's chef. She uh, worked on several of his, his tours. She's done the Kentucky Derby a couple of times. She's done the Oscars. She's done. Um, she's cooked for Kenny Rogers and Minnie Pearl, many celebrities. Uh, all the celebrity chefs that you um, see on TV. She she's had the pleasure of working with them, particularly Wolfgang. Her and her and Wolfgang Puck did several uh, big affairs in Chicago at our various um, big museums and uh, large convention type, you know, shows. So when I I think about her huge success as a black woman in the culinary arts, which is a, 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 a man's club. I mean, the, the big successes in, in culinary, you would think that there would be more uh, women, but it's actually a very challenging career uh, for women. So when I, I, I think about the successes that she's had uh, in that industry, I, I, you know, you when you're so close to a person, you kind of, you know, it, it's like wow. You don't often think about the successes that they've had in their career. But my mother actually had a really huge uh, culinary career, and my siblings and I recently talked her uh, a little bit out of retirement. Sort of course, uh, her nickname is Party Hardy Barty because she can and she can create a party out of you know, straw and bubbles. She will it will be a huge event. Um, she loves to put together parties and events and even in her retirement she still, you know, peeks her head out a little bit. Last summer she did a big wedding in Chicago for a family friend of ours. Um, but we talked her into doing a uh, a spice line. So she's coming out with um a line of, of, of spices and seasonings to um so I'm you know, I'm I'm celebrating her. I'm also celebrating, you know, just some of the women in in my sphere, uh, Lisa Mosley, who's out on the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, making it happen. I was talking at the gathering yesterday, the question came up and I, I saluted my good friend uh Erica. Uh, Erica Washington, um, for, uh, you know, I, I told a funny story. We we would be on the red carpet at some of these uh, big celebrity-filled events that, that come here to Las Vegas. But, you know, Erica is a serious journalist and covered many, 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 many uh, political things here in the Valley and worked for our only African-American um Newspaper for years, uh, and I saw her advocating and at, being an activist for women's issues and um, for women's issues. You know, before she went to the Urban League and before she went to um, the organization that she represents now. It'll come to me in a minute. I'm having a senior moment, Rodney. I'm having a birthday next month, and I'm already having senior moments. So. You know, I, I I have been looking at the women um, 
in my immediate sphere, my daughters. I have a daughter who just moved to Dallas who works for Google. And, you know, just looking at the stuff that she does on a regular basis with technology and explaining technology to me and others, I'm like, wow, that's huge. My other daughter who's doing phenomenal things in fitness and nutrition here in the Valley, working for the city of Las Vegas, uh, creating her own fitness format, workout, workout. Uh, So this Women's History Month, I've really done a lot of focusing on, you know, women that I know and, and uplifting them. We have a caller, so I want to, you know, bring on. I don't want to keep raving on. I, I want to bring on the caller. So, Rodney, uh, let's let's bring the caller to the platform. Okay, we're bringing uh, Sapphire from uh, currently in Georgia. She has a uh, a comment that she would like to make. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the platform, Greetings. Sapphire. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, I firstly want to thank you, my sister, for speaking to the the hidden power of other women. And I am calling in because, first of all, I you all enlightened me. I was not familiar with uh, Women's Month. And I am, I guess what you would call an independent researcher for the antiqual history of the black woman. Wow. And so I want to make this statement to you all, and then I'm going to follow up with a brief question. The work that I do is extremely difficult and rigorous in that there is so much history laid down over the very foundation that the black woman laid down for humanity. We can speak and walk upright today because of what she did on yesterday. Um. Now, having said that, I know now that the black woman is much older. She is the oldest original being on this earth. Many of the, how do I say this without being offensive? Many of the things that we attribute to other people and men actually came from the mind and the spirit of the black woman. And I'm finding that when you, when I, Feed the black woman's true, authentic history that I can back up with scholarship and documentation. I don't like to use the word scholarship, but I'm going to use it in this instance. When I give them their true history, they tend to shy away and back down from it. They do not want to receive the true hidden power of the black woman. Now, my question to you all today is this. Why is that so? Why is it? That this powerful woman, who is the mother of civilization, is not, how do I say, accepting of her true authentic history. I'm struggling with this. Well, that is an interesting question. Angela, ladies first. Feel free to share. Well, as a descendant from the many great black women that have come before me, um, I would say this. I can't really fully answer. You know, we can't. We can only articulate our opinion. My opinion is that 
we are a nose to the grindstone people. And sometimes when you are nose to the grindstone, you don't really have a lot of reverence for looking back because you are forward focused. And that's just my opinion. Well, hey, I like it. So I'll throw my two cents in as the man half of the Our Own Voices team here. And I would speculate that it has a lot to do with why African Americans in general uh, don't know, maybe except could also be thrown in there too, of their history. Uh, I just mentioned at the, uh, as in the introduction of the show about the 100th anniversary of Adabinga taking his life for being the so-called missing link on display in the Bronx Zoo. Uh, and, you know, we had a, a notable uh, historian in our life, in, in our history, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, who gave us Black History Week that ultimately became Black History Month, who was an educator and talked about the lack of black being represented in history books. Well, I would suggest that women probably aren't adequately represented in our history books either. But it's not just history books, because history is taught through every course that we have in school. It doesn't make any difference whether it's math, whether it's science, whether it's literature. History is still being taught. And when you are omitted from history... I believe that it sort of takes something away from how we feel about ourselves, how we see ourselves, but just as importantly, and maybe in some cases more so, because oftentimes we're not the decision makers, uh, other people are decision makers, whether it's men in general or whether it's uh, African, uh, excuse me, white men. Uh, it's important always for the victor to tell the story through the victor's eyes the conqueror, the one who's the decision maker, well, everyone else is left with what they get. And I would suspect that that has a lot to do with why women are not recognized in our daily lives are not recognized through history and their accomplishments. Many of them are not well known by the masses. Um, Sapphire, please share your thoughts on what Angela and I both have said. Well, I I appreciate you all answering um, the question so heartily, and you did shed some light on some things for me. So I I will take that into consideration. And I am in total agreement with the both of you. I just, you know, I I get so disappointed at times, but like the sister said, sometimes when you have to have several irons in the fire, it it seems kind of... um, Ludicrous to be looking back at histories that we sometimes feel don't affect us in this new day. But I I find that for the sisters who do receive the true history, understanding that the original Jedis and Buddhas, Buddhists, were black women, and um, knowing that for the ones who do receive it, it causes a, a vortex of upward mobility. Um, to begin in their lives because they began to think on another level and, if I may be cliche vibrate on a, another frequency. Just knowing that, knowing that some of the 
the most powerful what what we call today deities, but they were actually people. They didn't have all this superpower flying through the air and all this kind of stuff, but they were stellar mathematicians and astronomers, these women. So knowing that they did that before there was any such thing called NASA, it can make you feel, you know, good about yourself. So I want to thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having, you know, the show about Women's History Month. You definitely opened my mind to it because I was not familiar with it. So thank you so much. Well, you're quite welcome. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you'll uh, keep listening, uh, share a little bit with others. And part of the reason why we have this show is to help share the collective knowledge of Angela and I and those associated with us with others and for them to share it with us because that way we all learn a little bit more, won't we? So that's the concept of the show. Thank you again, sister, for calling in. Thank you. Wow. Well, Angela, that was uh, our first call for this show. I'm glad that it was from a woman because she asked the question. But, you know, she makes a point, but the, the point that she makes uh, easily can cross over to, you know, as I said, black history and the significance of many of our accomplishments. One of the things that I say to people is take a list. Get, go get, you know, you can look it up on Google or whatever your search engine is or if you have a book. You can look at inventions of African Americans. And if you look at those inventions of African Americans and then you were to sort of take a moment and let's say that none of those, let's say they None of those things would have happened because we weren't here to invent it. Now, maybe at some point someone else would have invented it, no doubt. But just for a moment, let's take away those inventions, whether it's the ironing board, the gas mask, the mobile refrigerator, uh, <laughs> the light bulb filament, and I on and on and on. I right? the ironing board. That was interesting because I, I, my ironing board broke this week. Well, you know. I had my grandkids here for a couple of weeks, so a lot of things broke. <laughs> but uh, my board broke, and I was rendered handicapped. I was like, I cannot. Where, where am I supposed to iron? It was so, uh, it was so interesting. But yeah, the little things. We would not be able to exist here in Las Vegas without air conditioning. Well, I tell you, I Came probably would not be here in Las Vegas <laughs> if they didn't have air conditioning. But I, did, okay. I you know, I would like it would be impossible because Sapphire brings up a good point. So I would like for for us to take a moment and the things that you know that were invented by Black people to just remove them out of your life. You know, this is one of those thought uh, exercises. Remove those things out of your life. Uh, think about the IC chip that was invented by. A, uh, a black person Think about the uh, And as far as uh, women Think about the um, Code breaking that was invented By uh, I believe it was Heidi Lamar I'll, I'll look it up But that was a famous uh, actress Back in World War II Who just wasn't a pretty face She was actually quite brilliant And through her efforts it led to uh, Well the security Of secrets and the power that that gave us on the things that we knew versus what the, the uh, Axis powers knew. 
So if you, heck, we could have lost the war, or the war could have gone on a lot longer with a lot more casualties. So when you think of if you remove those things out of our lives, then I think sometimes we have a better and greater appreciation of it. I I believe the uh, scrub board is another thing that was invented actually by a woman, probably out of necessity, but um, think about that. Remove those out of your lives and think about how much more time it would take you to do tasks, how much more, you know, laborious in general it would be. Uh, Imagine driving, whether it's New York, Chicago, Detroit, Las Vegas, or L.A., just imagine driving to work without a traffic light. Imagine it's that. tripping now with the traffic light, and, you know, just imagine what it would have been like without it. You know, last week at the gathering, we were visited by by history. Um, we had the pleasure of having Ida B. Wells' granddaughter, at the gathering last week, and she shared it. She shared history that even you know, Rodney was not familiar with. Um, history between uh, W. E. B. Du Bois and her grandmother Ida B. Wells. You know, it was a it was a bit of a love hate uh, association. They 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 worked together, and then you know they had. Difficult patches where they did not see eye to eye. When you look at, um, you know, just last week at that luncheon, just, you know, her being at the table with us and sharing that history uh, just brought to the forefront for me how important oral history is and how we should be about the business of documenting uh as much as we can orally because as you stated earlier in the in the broadcast history most times is told by the victor and we're seeing now uh in our american textbooks they're trying to uh, basically whitewash slavery and if it were not for folks with their accounts you know, they 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 may be able to succeed. We well, have to have a counter. I'm glad you mentioned the thing about um, Mrs. Uh, Alfreda Farrell, which is Ida B. Wells' granddaughter. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned for a bunch of reasons. One, to give recognition to Ida B. Wells, and also for the accomplishments of her granddaughter Alfreda, who was a 30-year educator and special needs and actually did some pioneering work in that area. But it was what you said about oral history. I listen to people talk today about politics, and I was just, before I I came on the show, I had read a post from someone who was asking a question about how do you know whether what you read is true or not. And I thought that that was a very profound question. And in the area that they were talking about, I actually lived through that era and have quite a vivid uh, recollection of that era. So I can answer their question firsthand from living through it on what it was like. Now, of course, it's still going to be from my perspective, but 
at least I was there to see it. With Alfreda Farrell coming to the table and sharing that about the boys, and and what they what they were talking about was Ida B. Wells was one of the founders of the uh, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, as we call it today. But when they were signing the charter for the NAACP back in, I believe it was 1908, somebody fact-checked them. Mm-hmm. When they were signing the charter, they didn't include originally Ida B. Wells' name on the charter. And initially, she didn't really say anything according to her granddaughter. Well, she said something, and it wasn't, you know, she she was quite a fiery personality. And she was like, well, if y'all going to be like that, then forget it then. Keep it like that. I'm not going to trip about it, as we would say in today's vernacular. I'm not tripping. Fine. That's how you're going to be? Fine. Be like that. And it was someone else who had whose name had made the charter that stood up and said, no, Ida's been here from the beginning, and her name should not be overlooked. Take my name off. Put Ida's name up there because she did this. So we see how these things can be, but as Ida B. Wells, uh, actually Ida B. Wells Barnett, is a sort of a, you know, in the old days we'd say heroine. I guess today we say hero or shero. But back in the day she was a heroine of mine. And I looked up to her, and I, I've read different things about her, but that particular incident I have not read. And to hear Alfreda Farrell, Ida B. Wells' granddaughter, share that with us, I thought it was like one of those rare jewels that you are blessed to get. You know, it's like when you look at some of these movies where they're going to the Holy Grail or looking for whatever, and they finally get it. Well, for me to get that, that nugget of insight, but it was from someone who, you know, got it from her, from, uh, her mother, uh, who was the daughter of Ida B. Wells. And I thought this just goes to show to the point of how important Oral, Oral history, history is. is. And, and you I, know, we need I to pay encourage. closer attention to that and get so about the business of documenting all, that that history. Uh, document it. And one of the things that Angela told me some years ago that I thought uh, that I found very beneficial is just take a recorder. If you don't want to write it down, just take a recorder. Uh, you can use your phone nowadays and video it or, or, or audio record it. And sit down and talk with those members of your family, especially the women. And the reason why I say especially the women, and and even more so with um, more seasoned, mature women, is that women often were involved in every aspect of our lives. I mean, men were active, but women were involved in every aspect of the lives. Women knew the stories. Plus, women tend to talk more. Uh, that's what science says anyway. But And so they share a lot more information. And in doing so, they have a broader knowledge of things. So talk to those women because they may give you some insight. You know, that's, a, that's kind of a part of uh, the history that is untapped. 
is history from women about stuff. It doesn't have to be just about women, but just history from women about stuff. So take the time, you know, for you, you grandchildren out that, that you have or that you may know, uh, sit them down and, and just tell them to turn their phones on. You want to talk to them, and you want to tell them about what, it's, what it was like. Because I hear, especially in our political world today, a, a, just a major distortion of reality. As a matter of fact, most of what they say is not reality. It might have some basics in reality. Sometimes it has absolutely no fact to it at all. But occasionally it may have something that they do what's called spinning, which is to me another word for lying, but they spin it into something totally different. And and I want a case in point was think about Marco Rubio who since suspended his presidential bid. At the for a while he had not won a race. But he gave victory speeches at the end of each defeat. It was almost as if he he came in third place, but it was a win. And that that's called spinning, or I like to refer to it as lying. So a lot of the things are not based in reality. Angela mentioned what was going on in Texas, what's going on in Arizona, where they're trying, and in some cases, successfully changed the history book. And what they were doing was they one of the areas that got a lot of attention was they said that they didn't really refer to slavery as slavery. They referred to it as almost like a guest worker program, indentured servitude to a certain extent, like we, like, like the slaves were guest workers and that they were exchanging their work for food and, and a place to stay. And I thought, isn't that what people who traffic, what we call human trafficking today, isn't that what they do? They go and they kidnap Still take women from whatever country they're in, they somewhat imprison them here or elsewhere in the world, and then they tell them, well, we're going to set a value on you of this. And when you work this off, we're going to let you go. But because we are providing a place for you to stay and we're feeding you and giving you clothes, that's going to be tacked on to your freedom price as well. And once you've done that, you can be free. It kind of reminds me of that. And we don't tolerate that with women, or we shouldn't anyway. There's probably more, too much tolerance for it. But but it just should not be. So, no, those people were slaves. And here's the thing. Women under slavery suffered as much as men. Now, there'll be some people who say, well, maybe more. Well, maybe. They suffered. How about that? So, as we, but they made it through. But look at the history of women in general. Did you know that women, when this country was created, women were not allowed to vote. So those same men in those white wigs, when they said, talked about inalienable rights and blah, blah, blah. Apparently, those inalienable rights ended at men and didn't extend to women. And if you think about how long women have had the right to vote in this country, it's not even 150 years. It's just over 100 years that women have had the right to vote in this country. So when you think about how far women have come, 
in a fairly short period of time. But it's a fact that it's a fairly short period of time because this country has been here for over 250 years. But women have just had the right to vote for just over 100 years. Something to think about. So I see you guys out there listening. I see you on in the chat room. Uh, what woman, and you can give us a call or you can put it in the chat room. You can do it on the Our Own Voices Facebook page. Uh, and this is for, you know, everyone, men and women. What woman or women have positively impacted or inspired your life? It could be something small. It could be something big. It doesn't make a difference. We would love to hear from you. And the phone number is 347-826-9600. And then press the number one on your keypad uh, to let us know that you need your mic to be turned on. Now, Angela went down uh, a short list of some of the folks who impacted her life. And, of course, her mom and her wonderful daughters were a part of that list. I could talk about my grandmother, Victoria Smith, who impacted me from an early stage of my life. I'm talking about from the time I was in the crib because that's my earliest memory. As a matter of fact, my earliest member of my of my grandmother is, is actually in the crib and her singing to me. And she had a specific song that she would sing to me. And I still remember that to this day. That's, that's like mm-hmm. my earliest memory. Uh, but my grandmother meant so much to me. As a matter of fact, I have never gone out and I'm giving a little personal information here. I have never gone out on New Year's Eve, never in my life. And part of the reason for that is because for some reason on New Year's Eve, my grandmother liked for the family to be together. To her, that was watch night. And we would spend it together. Even when I lived in New York and my grandmother was in North Carolina, we would call her on the phone. Now, she wouldn't always be awake because she went to bed with the, with the chickens and she rose with the chickens. But <laughs> when she would be awake, we would watch the new year come in over the phone. And now my grandmother had lost her sight, so she would ask, you know, she'd always want to know what's going on, and I would, I would describe it to her. And for some reason, I mean, there's nothing that says that I, I'm not able to go out on New Year's Eve. But New Year's Eve, my my grandmother has transitioned a number of years back. As a matter of fact, she was the first family member to transition after I joined the military. But my grandmother had meant everything to me. And my grandmother probably spent more time with me than my mother because my mother was busy working for, well, rich white people and often had to stay away. So I was with my grandmother. And... There's a lot of, I think about my grandmother probably as much as I think about my mother. It was almost as if I had two mothers. And so she was someone who, she she encouraged me. When I think about my grandmother, I think about someone who provided structure, but she also encouraged me. And that encouragement is still with me today. So a big shout out to my grandmother, what I call the original matriarch 
of my family during my lifetime for impacting me. And and I'll share this other thing about my grandmother. My grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother is responsible for saving, I'm going to say two, maybe three lives, because I am convinced that if it had not been for the upbringing and teaching of my grandmother, if it had not been for her voice in my head when I was doing these things, that there would be two less people at least living on this planet today. And it was the teaching and training of my grandmother. It was her voice in in my head that stopped me from taking those two individuals' lives. That's the impact of my grandmother on my life. Probably the reason why I'm not in jail today is because of my grandmother. The reason why two more people are living today is because of my grandmother. Oh. Boy, well, that takes me back. You know, yesterday uh, you and I uh, both attended the end of Sankofa, um, the Sankofa series done by the Samuel L. Educational Foundation. Did I say Samuel L.? The Sam Smith, I'm sorry. The Sam Smith Educational Foundation. The end of the 12 week Sankofa series was yesterday, and it was done by the fabulous. China Hudson, and she gave a talk on mother wit. And I thought it was a great conversation, a great presentation, because not only did China, you know, she started the presentation off with uh, some of some some quotes that are, I would say, traditional to every African American household in some shape, form, or fashion. You know, depending on your region in the country, and you know. Didn't matter. These are tried and true uh, statements, like a hard head gonna make a soft behind. <laughs> Every black person I know has been told that in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, no matter where you were uh, from in this country, somebody in your family has probably said that to you a few thousand times. Um, you think I'm playing, you know. It it was a lot of it was it was it was a very interesting presentation, and you know it was it was it was just an interesting way to end Women's History Month. With my focus this this year was really, you know, on women that I I know personally that I I personally engage with because, like the caller said, a lot of times, you know, we're so. Resistant or just too busy to, or what have you, to uh, reflect on on the things accomplished and by whom. Um, But it was just interesting to sit in that conversation and reflect on the women and that have passed in my in my life uh, and helped me through with some of that mother wit. Uh, and, you know, as we wrap up this, well, we're not wrapping up yet, but as we do this broadcast, but, you know, talking about some of that, um, I just wanted to acknowledge the, the Sankofa 
uh, series and, and last night's conversation particularly. The Mother Wit was an interesting conversation on, on oral history as well as, you know, women and, and women in your life. It was a good way to focus on us. Yeah, and there was quite a few of those uh, axioms that, that Mother Wit that were brought up some uh, invoke laughter from the audience. A lot of it was some head nodding from uh, affirmation of people who experienced or had heard those things before. Uh, Miss China talked about something about keep your skirt down and your panties up or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought that I was like, wow. That's just as profound today as it was back then. I, I do, re, I do remember hearing that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing my my mother and grandmother telling me, uh, "Don't you be messing with them fast girls." And I had no idea what they were talking about at the time. I was like, <laughs> "They run faster than me. Uh, right. Girls, <laughs> girls are run faster than me." And then, of course, uh, later, I. I you know, when Miss China talked about a the uh, of those skirt. girls. <laughs> well, you know, they there's one or two of them out there. Yeah, you know. But uh I I'm a pretty good runner. <laughs> so <laughs> but there was different things like that that they talked about. And Miss China was really a great person to end the twelve week series uh for San Copa and we've had some really great uh presentations. As as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, sure. Other than uh, Miss China, I couldn't think of another female, another woman who had presented doing Sankofa. Maybe I'm just uh, having a senior moment myself, but she may have been the only one. I know that when I do things, sometimes, maybe unconsciously, I don't think about a particular group to represent. I go to the people who are in my nearest circle. Now, I'm blessed to have a lot of women in my circle. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the people I go to are women, and I actually might leave out men oftentimes, but I go to the people closest in my circle. And I'm just wondering, how do we do this without having more women involved? Good question. I also think back to uh, teachers. And, of course, the teacher was no relative to me. But I did have a teacher. She was a young woman back in the day, uh, and her name was Miss Moran. Miss Moran was one of those teachers that taught for the love of teaching and brought out some good stuff in me. And I think Miss Moran was my second-grade teacher. And to this day, I still remember Miss Moran. But as I think about teachers, I, I could never let an occasion like this go by without talking about Mrs. Saparata, who may have been one of the most influential persons of, for me in my lifetime. Uh, Mrs. Saparata, uh, a short Jewish lady, I, I'm sure she wasn't even five feet. And, <laughs> but Mrs. Saparata, wow. Mrs. Saparata did more to teach me about the history and culture of my people, possibly more than anyone else or close to it. 
I don't want to get into too much because I've told the story before, but I'll just say this. Mrs. Saparata thought it was important for me to know the history, the real history and contributions of my people as she thought it was for her people to know theirs. And the statement that she made to me that I, that I, that's embedded in my mind is that she said just as important as it is for the world not to forget what was done to, this is Ms. Saparata talking, she said just as important as it is for the world not to forget what was done to my people is just as important, if not more so, that you know what happened to your people and that you don't let the world forget what was done to your people. And, you know, that's open, close, close. And that changed my life. That literally changed my life. It changed my life, my, my view, my vision. It changed my thought process. It truly impacted me to the extent where I can say that was a significant emotional event. It was a life-changing event. And I was, I believe, seventh grade at the time. Willoughby Junior High School, Junior High School 162. Yes, Mrs. Saparata changed my life. Are there any folks, wow. anybody else in your life, Angela, any other for the callers out there, 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. We're talking about women that have inspired or impacted your life in some form. If you would like the to share biggest, that with us, we'd love to hear it. I, the biggest one, um, I would have to say, is my grandmother. My And I probably, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told this story in, over the years, the years that we've been doing our own Voices Live. I'm sure I've told this story. My grandmother worked for a camera manufacturer, Imperial Cameras in Chicago on Western Avenue uh, when I was a kid. Uh, Not only did she assemble cameras all day, but her uh, other job uh, within, her other responsibility within that uh, job was to test the cameras. So she would bring just tons of cameras home every weekend. And I, of course, was at my grandmother's house, and she not only taught me about lenses and, you know, focus and just the different parts of a camera, the the inner workings of a camera. She she just gave me a love for taking pictures, and you know, I was having fun. But, you know, she would take the pictures back that I took over the weekend and, you know, we'd, you know, look at the results and look at the different uh, flash bulbs. Remember those little flash cubes that used Mm -hmm. to go on top of cameras? Yeah. um, That was my my grandmother's job. And so my whole childhood I played with cameras. She is directly responsible, responsible for me. Uh, still enjoying photography to this day, and going to film school. Um, She believed that it was important for us to tell our own stories and the importance of optics and images. So 
she's had the greatest um, direct influence on me. And now that I'm a grandmother myself, and I had recently an experience with my grandson, Mikael, who had went in my office and discovered I still have the last camera my grandmother gave me. And he he discovered it. I, I have it. It sort of floats in my house. It still works. Um, I try to keep it in, in my formal living room, but, you know, I have, a lot, I have a lot of, I'm blessed, I have a lot of children in my life. It may find its way in my bedroom or in one of the other bedrooms or in the kitchen. It sort of floats around the house. It's kind of, uh, to me, uh, my grandmother's spirit kind of floating through my house uh, at all times. Um, but he he brought the camera to me and was like, okay, what's going on with this camera, Grandma? How does it work? And I told him, this is, the, you know, my grandmother, my grandma, Grandma Erin, and I showed him her picture. Um, she worked for this company, Imperial Camera Company, and this is the last camera. You know, I told him what I just told you guys. I all, Every weekend, I play with cameras, all weekend. And uh, this is the last this is the last camera that she made, she personally made, and and gave to me. And um, he was, you know, taken aback by that. I was I was shocked at how much interest he took in that. And then he um, picked up some of my bigger cameras. I have some vintage Canons here, and you know, some different cameras here. And you know, so I, I just walked him through my little camera museum. <laughs> per se, and you know, all up to my current cameras that I use, and he's taken a real interest in photography. So I bought him some online classes, and we've been doing these online photography classes, and it's just reawakened my love for uh, photography, and just having someone to have that exchange with again is is has really made me miss my grandmother a lot, and made me. You know, so grateful to be somebody's grandmother right now. So, you know, um, I would say my grandmother uh, is someone who's just had a, an immeasurable impact on me. I Yesterday, sitting through that mother wit uh, conversation, I, I could just hear her voice. Her and her, uh, her, um, her mother's sisters, Aunt Martha, uh, her mother, Grandma Lena, um, yeah, her mom had, it was four of them. And so Martha, Lena, and um, Dorothy, all all these great aunts that I had around in my childhood that my my kids and my grandkids didn't have an opportunity to know. But, you know, they had, you know, typical jobs from back in the day working as a domestic, uh, doing laundry. Uh, my my uh, Grandma Lena would not work as a domestic. She did laundry uh, in Chicago. She could not, you know, she just didn't want to have that interaction with white folks, as she would say. So she would rather work in a, a large commercial laundry because it was a pretty solitary job and, you know, she didn't really have to, 
to deal with folks in in that very uncomfortable way that we had to deal with with folks. So, I you know I have to point to Grandma Era for that one. Well, I'm gonna bring it back to one of the locals right here in Las Vegas. Uh, someone that I've met a number of years ago. I've sort of watched her grow into who she is today because she cool. was quite shy and she was pursuing education. She was trying to establish herself in her career. And that is the one and only and the indomitable Dr. Tiffany Tyler. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Tyler, the CEO. Uh, OO of Nevada Partners and part of a duo and someone else I can throw in there too is Miss Monica Ford, uh, who is the CEO and president or at least CEO of Nevada Partners and who's an Air Force veteran and quite accomplished educationally herself that many people probably don't know the level of her educational achievement, but it is definitely on par with uh, Dr. Tyler, and Dr. Tyler, I was, you know, around her, she was working on her uh, doctorate, and when she finally got the word of uh, receiving it, uh, Dr. Tiffany Tyler had so much in common with my my mother, Uh, high school dropout, young children, got an early start on life, so to speak but didn't let that stop her from reaching her potential and went from high school dropout with a couple of children who, according to statistics, should not have made it. But not only did she make it, she has achieved exceedingly. Mm -hmm. And her children, I believe, are both in college, which is also against the odds, and... She is someone who goes about, she's in a bunch of different uh, committees and boards and, you know, does panels. Uh, She's really all just everywhere. But Dr. Tiffany Tyler, uh, a local right here in Las Vegas, someone that I hold in high regard, oftentimes when I see her, she does take me back to reminding me of my very own mom, and I've shared this with her. So there are so many uh, women out there. Um, 347-826-9600, you're listening to Our Own Voices Live. And today, at the last Saturday of the month, and this is Women's History Month, you know, our call from Sapphire earlier. I I just, before we go to that, Rodney, I just want to say one, one thing to add on about Dr. Tiffany Tyler. What's also very unique and what touches me about uh, Dr. Tiffany Tyler is that with her level of education and expertise, she could go for the money. But instead, she chooses to hold the door open for other folks, especially women like her, so that they could find their way down the path. That's one of the most phenomenal things I bear witness to with Dr. Tyler all the time, is that she's still... She's there now holding the door open for other um, women to, to to walk through and find their success, too. Yeah, and, of course, I 
you know, if we got a few more minutes in the show, so if someone else would like to talk about some women or a woman that has impacted impact their life, and it doesn't have to be a woman who talks about woman. It could be a man, because I know, fellas, there's been women in your life, too, uh, whether it was your mother, another family member, a teacher, uh, just someone. Uh, like I talked about the lady in the window when I was a young uh, boy in Brooklyn. She was up in that window. But I tell you what, something went down bad. You want to know what happened? You go to her. She'll give you the rundown. Yep, that was that one right there. <laughs> and he came at such and such a time, and he went over here and did this, and then he went over there and did that. Uh, she She knew it. And, you know, at first we didn't, we used to joke and, and tease about the woman in the window until something happened. And then when we got to see the value, uh, it was like, uh, so when you go into combat sometimes, there, you have overwatch. And now overwatch can sometimes be done by uh, technology, but then sometimes overwatch can be done by, well, basically somebody personally. The human eye. The human eye. Absolutely. Someone to watch over me. Yeah, you don't know the value of the lady in the window until <laughs> she she shows up and shows her value for having watched over you so and your peers. Who, who is it that was in your life? And this is to our listening audience. Who is it that in, inspired you, that, that impacted you, that helped you maybe go a little further, be able to endure it a little longer, be able to accept responsibility, whatever it is, uh, there's, there's somebody. And, you know, this show, I, I just wanted to spend a little time on talking about those women in my life and hearing about those women in your life that have made a difference. Uh, most of us, I'm sure, would say our mothers, but think about the folks who couldn't say their mother, uh, even though their mother was living and they were with their mother, but couldn't say their mother to them. Imagine what a great void that must be. And then, like with Ida B. Wells, being able to talk to living history and her granddaughter, Alfreda Farrell, that was able to drop some, some nuggets on us that none of us at the gathering were aware of. And I will keep that with you because that's firsthand experience. I do encourage you all to find the women in your life, whether they're senior to you, equal to you, and maybe even junior to you. Spend some time just sharing, doing a lot of listening, and occasionally take out whatever recording apparatus you have especially for our seniors, and record life growing up. I often hear our younger people talking about life before them as life is today. And it's almost as if history started with their consciousness. And that's far from the truth. There's a lot of power and strength in those women who came before them, who came before me, just came before us in our history. Get to know some of them. Do some research. Most of you have a, a cell phone and have Internet connection. So if you have a moment that you're sitting down and you don't have anything going on, Google uh, search or do a search 
women inventors, women scientists, women doctors, women pioneers. How about that one? Uh, you know, um, women cowboys. Go ahead, Angela. With with um our our wonderful guest uh, last week coming to the table, sharing a history that you and others at the table were not familiar with, but I was familiar with, and it was because I was familiar with it because of an institution in Chicago called the DeSabo Museum, uh, which was founded by um, teacher and art historian Dr. Margaret Burroughs. Uh, even um, when we were at the table last week, Ida B. Wells' uh, granddaughter mentioned when I mentioned uh, DuSable Museum and Dr. Burroughs, um, we talked about the desk that uh, her grandmother, that her mom donated, that her that that her grandmother used, that Ida B. Wells used. It sits at the uh, DuSable Museum, and that is actually how I became familiar with a, a lot of. Uh, Ida B. Wells' history was at the Disciple Museum listening to various lectures and being a part of a young person's organization that uh, was allowed to go into the museum and, you know, help keep it in order and, you know, help do some uh, tasks around the the uh, museum. And, um, you know, I just want to salute Dr. Burroughs because, you know, I, I Chicago is a, is a, in a lot of ways an embarrassment of, of, of riches. The history, a particular Black history, that is there, uh, out in the open, and so many of our uh, folks contribute to preserving it and, and uh, uplifting it and, and enriching the community uh, with it. So. You know, feeling kind of nostalgic. Sable Museum was a cool place. The whole museum complex there in Chicago is a very uh, cool and enriching place. It's a very cool place for a kid to be uh, in the big city. Well, there's so much history, and we didn't even really scratch, as a matter of fact, not even scratch, we didn't even scrape the surface on sure women and the impact of them in our lives as well as the, your lives. And I thank the, the Paula Sapphire for calling in and sharing her experience with with women and her research. Mm-hmm. Uh, her, her question, which was thought-provoking, it sort of reminded me just a little bit of Dr. Constance Brooks, who we had on a couple of years ago and talked about intersectionality. Hopefully we'll get her on a future show. Because that is real, and it does do a lot to ex- to explain things. And science is important, and we should be more accepting of science, always asking questions, no doubt. But we should recognize the science, and there is science in just about everything. Well, that brings us to the end of our broadcast today on Our Own Voices Live uh, with me and my host, this is Angela Thomas. We were talking about uh, women, and really our show today was celebrating women, just women, 
uh, our mothers, our sisters, uh, friends, associates, acquaintances, educators, people that have done something to impact and inspire us and help develop us into whatever positive and good that we may be today. Uh, Angela talked about her mom. Uh, she talked about Mrs. Burrell. Matter of fact, Angela, we have to get those books too. Um, yeah, we do. Talk about talk about those things. Uh, my hero, or back in the day, he called the heroine uh, Ida B. Wells. My mother, my well, mainly my grandmother. At Sankofa last night, I did share some mother wit from my mother, and that was there's no such thing as can't. That was the big four letter word in my house. D A N T. Yep. Didn't say it. Even say even when I say it, it's sort of in quotes. There's a little thing that tries to keep me from saying it because she pretty much embedded that in me. So what who as you go through your week, I hope that you'll take time to think about the women who were in your life that may have influenced you, inspired you, motivated you maybe even cared for you, help you make it a little bit further. Who was that woman? Have you told that woman how much they have impacted your life, what difference they've made in your life? Well, one of those things that my mother did say, one of, I guess, her mother with Ida, was give me my flowers while I'm alive. Give me my my grandmother used to I'm say alive. that, give me my roses while I'm here. Absolutely. Well, take some time to spread those roses. <clears throat> Yesterday was Good Friday, which is often sometimes identified as a day when those high bring themselves down with the low, and that's symbolized in the washing of feet. Tomorrow, for those who are believers, and we talk about, well, the resurrection, and who will you resurrect by giving them their flowers today or tomorrow or through this coming week? It might breathe life into them because they just may be going through something. They may even feel, you know, there's about a service member takes their life just about every day in this country. And that's male and female. Maybe Someone who you give some flowers to today might save their life tomorrow. Think about how they may have saved yours or impacted you to do more than what you were doing and may have done. The power of women, I tell you, the power of women is one of the strongest forces in this universe, the power of women. I also share with you that how we view our women and how we treat our women is more of a statement on who we are and less of who they are. Let that one sink in. This is Rodney Smith with another episode of Our Own Voices Live that comes to you Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. That's 3.30 out east. Uh, today we talked to we celebrated women, 
and hopefully you will continue to celebrate them throughout the week, throughout the year, throughout your life. But I guarantee you, there is a woman out there worthy of your celebration. Next month, next week, we will be, I believe, Arab American History Month. I'm not sure where that's going to take us, but I'm sure it will take us someplace that will be enlightening to us all. I hope that you will join us next week. I hope that you will share the stories and continue the discussion on the Our Own Voices Facebook page, Our Own Voices Live, also Our Own Voices on Twitter. We'd love to hear throughout the week, throughout really throughout the year, the women that have inspired and impacted you. Well, Angela, that pretty much does it for us. Close us out. Thank you for celebrating uh, Women's History Month for all who did. And thank you for tuning in this week. Have a wonderful, wonderful Easter Sunday. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.